Good morning, everybody. How are you all today? Trevor. I've got fan club in the cheap seats down here. Um, chuck the first one up, Dan. Do I have to do this? Okay, right. <clears throat> um, I've been kind of working on this message for probably about, I don't know, maybe about eight years or something. And... Um, Yeah, so I've, I've got an hour, so um, I had a bit of a play with it during the week, and so we'll just see how it all pans out, you know, because, um, you know, one thing I like is that, um, you know, we're a, we're a people that are interested in going places and doing amazing things, and um, quite a number of years ago, I started, um, I watched a movie, and so I'm just going to speak a little bit differently than I normally speak. Um, On a Sunday morning, normally I just say, right, we're going to be reading from such and such, and I read about, you know, an entire chapter or a whole book or something out of the Bible, and then I do talk on it. Not going to do that at all today, Um, but I hope that as you listen and with open hearts and do a little bit of reading between the lines. So today I want to talk to you about a particular kind of family, and... um, that's the next slide there, which is coming up right now, and go, you're doing it, Dan, not me. There it is. Okay, good, because I'm lousy with the pointer, you know, I use a little pointer thing, and um, I just get completely lost in it and don't know where I'm going with it. So this is a particular kind of family. This is the Parr family. There are five people in the family, and then there's a couple of extras that are added on the end just for some fun and intrigue. And uh, sometimes they look like this, and um, when they're in their um, when they're in their civvies, but when they're in their um, they sometimes dress and they look like this. So they're pretty amazing. And um, he, here's the dad. So he's just a picture of great physique. And his name's Bob Parr. He's called Mr. Incredible. Bob found forced retirement very difficult and often had to cheat his way out of the house on Wednesday nights so he could continue his his superheroics. He was shocked to discover that his number one fan, Buddy, had reformed himself as the villain syndrome after Mr. Incredible had quashed Buddy's wish to be his number two. It was not until Syndrome threatened the family's lives that Bob realised that his family was his greatest adventure. His red superhero suit, designed by Edna Mode, appears to have the same level of durability as Mr Incredible himself. In his prime, Mr Incredible drove a gadget-laden car, the Incredibile, not unlike the ones driven by James Bond or Batman. Uh, here's the mum. Her name is Helen Parr, other, a.k.a. Elastigirl. Helen can stretch. We've got a Helen here. She's amazing too. <laughs> Helen can stretch any part of her body up to 34 metres. She can be one millimetre thin, 
She can also reshape her body in various ways. In the movie, she becomes a parachute and a rubber boat. She has used her arms for swings and a slingshot. In her early years, she seemed to be a feminist and had no desire to settle down. Since her marriage to Bob, Helen has become the dedicated spouse and mother, although she is frustrated with her husband's continuing dreams of glory. Helen is also an experienced jet pilot having, uh, from having a close friend who flew her around the world when she was a super. Her sharp wit and superb espionage skills, as well as her experience as a superhero, make her an excellent tactician and leader. Her red superheroine suit, designed also by Edna Mode, can stretch as far as she can and still retain its shape. It is virtually indestructible, yet it breathes like Egyptian cotton. Here is the daughter. Her name is Violet. Violet is a junior high school teenager stuck at the crossroads between a girl and a woman. Violet desperately wants to be like everyone else, to blend with normal people and not to stand out. Her superpowers allow her to turn instantly invisible and to generate spherical force fields to protect herself and also to levitate. There you go. You never thought you'd hear that in church, did you? Extremely heavy objects, she was able to do that. The interiors of the force field have an anti-gravitational effect, allowing Violet to levitate inside, but she can be stunned temporarily if the field is struck by a sufficiently large force. During the movie, she and Dash combine their powers to create the Incredible in a tactic which Violet generates a force field around herself and Dash and uses his speed power to use the ball like a cannonball or a battering ram. Her struggle with shyness and lack of confidence constitutes a major side story in the movie, but she is spurred on by Helen, her mother, encouragement that she has more power than she realises and that she just has to believe it. In the end, Violet sheds her shyness and ends up at the confident side when her crush, Tony, asks her for a date. Unlike her normal clothes, her red suit designed by the great Edna Mode also turns invisible when Violet does as well. Here's the son. His name is Dash. He is a speedster. While he is only as strong as an average 10-year-old boy, the film's official website lists his enhanced durability among Dash's powers, which is implied in the film by an amount of incidental high-speed collisions and crashes Dash endures without apparent injury. Dash also discovers that throughout the course of the movie that his speed allows him to be able to run over water without submerging. Dash would like to go out for sports, but his mother Helen would not allow it because she thinks that he would show off his super speed and blow the family civilian cover. 
to vent his frustration, Dan uses his, Dash uses his power. Dan, you might be in this. That'd be good. <clears throat> Dash uses his power to play pranks on his teacher, which also threatens their cover. Dash, reckless and impulsive nature and one-track mind have put him at odds with Violet's gloomier and more sarcastic nature. And more often than their parents would like, but when Dash is in the battle, he cares deeply about his family and willing to attack a fully grown man who is about to kill his sister. His red superhero, superhero suit, designed again, you wait till you see Edna Mode, she's amazing, is resistant to air friction, wear and heat when Dash is running at super speed. Here is the youngest son, his name is Jack-Jack. He's the infant son, the youngest of the par children, initially believed to be the only family member without any powers. He manifests a multiple of superhuman abilities. At the end of the film, most of which are types of shape-shifting, making his powers the most versatile of the whole family. Although Edna Mode did not know what powers Jack-Jack might develop, she covered a various possibilities by making him a fireproof and bulletproof um, jumpsuit. Jack-Jack's varied abilities have a metaphor, are a metaphor for how young children have infinite possibilities. Oh, here's Edna Mode. She's an eccentric fashion designer who one of her catch kind of cries as, what can I do for your darling? Whenever she meets these people. Who designs costumes for many members of the superhero community. To that end, not only does she take the aesthetics of the clothes into account, but also their practical uses such as protective qualities and accommodating the powers of the wearer. She was the guest at Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl's wedding, and Edna refuses to design super suits with capes in light of a number of supers that were killed because their capes got caught in airline turbines, elevators, and missiles. <clears throat> Here is Buddy, a.k.a. Syndrome. Buddy has no superhuman powers, but he's incredibly intelligent making him a super in his own right. He has invented numerous weapons, such as high-tech vehicles that use the principles as robotics, anti-gravity, and zero-point energy, which he sold to the black market buyers to make himself rich. He owns his own island, complete with a mansion, a sophisticated monorail system, missiles, and a staff of guards equipped with exotic vehicles of Buddy's design. So here we have this quite unusual family. <clears throat> now let's have a look at some of the traits that they have. Like many animated movies of today, they have an appeal to many of our kids. Most of them are, you know, they, what do they call, star them or screen them or debut them right on the start of the school holidays, you know. So us as parents, we have to drag our kids along to very expensive movies during the holidays for them to watch. But they have decided adult themes to a number of animated movies, and this one is no exception. 
My thoughts on the movie are this. We each have been born into a family. Some good, some of our upbringings are enjoyable and memorable. Fun times with our parents and siblings. Family holidays, birthday celebrations and anniversaries. Laughter, pleasure, togetherness, peace and harmony. Some not so good. Family breakdown, behavioural challenges, violence, separation, disharmony and brokenness. In this movie, we see a family who the father sees as his greatest adventure. His family is his greatest adventure. But also the father that desperately wants to do the things he once did, but for some reason is unable to do so now. But because he, to quote, to quote Buddy, he got busy with Elastigirl, and they have children, and they, and they have now inherited some of their powers. The speedy dash, the sly, leave me, uh, the, the shy, leave me alone Violet, and what will become of Jack-Jack. At the running track, the dad encouraging him to win, but by, not by too much. Then the summons to the principal's office about his behaviour. You see, Buddy a.k.a. Syndrome, never had any power, but he wanted to become powerful. He wasn't born into power, so he falsely got power. He became super in his own right, not by someone else's decision. Super people have superpowers, and they got them from a super someone when they were in a super family. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for this great family that we are part of, that we meet with, we gather together here on a Sunday morning, we meet together in our homes during the week on random and or regular occasions. And Father, I pray that as we learn to grow and be part of a family of power, that you would continue to guide us and lead us in everything we do. Amen. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about the greatness of family. Violet and Dash, Violet, Dash and Jack-Jack were born into a family, but he was not. He pretended to be in the family with false powers, counterfeit powers. And you know, in this place, in our own church here at Liberty, we are, we are amongst fathers and mothers who carry an inheritance of what Jesus has done in their lives and all of their desire is that they give all of that to their children. Do you know, I'm staggered about how much stuff we can watch every morning and how much my inbox or my, um, what's your little kind of feed or your little postings that we arrive at every morning and so on like that and our Facebook pages or our Twitter tubes or whatever else they call them. I always call it Twitter face gram book or something, you know. You know, we get stuff sent to our pages and our things we look at every morning. But we're also pretty guilty of subscribing to a lot of stuff, you know. And we kind of put a hand up and kind of go, yeah, I would be quite interested in that. And so on any given day, we could have a message or a quote or a little prophetic something or a little sermon or some little thing from somebody from all over the world every single day. My thoughts are, whatever happened to reading the scriptures well? 
to seeking his face, being present on a Sunday, positioning myself to being part of a family, this family, to engage with others in the CAF, in our small groups, and in good, robust conversation. Gleaning off each other, listening to each other, asking good, grounded questions, not hypothetical or abstract ones, ones that you can get your teeth in that will change the way you do things and change the way we live. Because I'm interested in doing some of that, you know. I always like a good discussion. I'm in a few groups and I'm like sitting around and just going, this is going to be interesting. This is a very interesting topic. And we just kind of hammer away at it for a few weeks, you know, or for sometimes a few years. But we love each other. We grow together. And we might have differences of opinions and things like that. We learn to grow with each other because that's what families do. You see, the, the Parr family, this family here, are way stronger together than they are apart. So this morning, I, this morning, some of you will have a small text that I talked to you about a little bit earlier. And can I ask when that you stand and read one of these, please? So who has text number one? It's a nice loud voice. Thank you, Olga. Awesome, you see? I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. Okay? Great verse. Lovely verse that he will be a father to us. Okay, who's got text number two? Okay, the Lord watches over strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. Great verse there. Who's got text number three? Again from the Psalms. Yeah, amen. He's the father of the fatherless. And uh, text number four. You know, he hears every one of our prayers. You know, when Jesus is, I love this little story about when he's um, at the tomb of Lazarus and they were waiting for him to be resurrected, you know, and they all kind of thought, yeah, he's going to be resurrected in that last day and so on. And then Jesus looks to heaven and he says, Father, I thank you that you hear my prayer. And, you know, even Jesus kind of says that thing, you know, and I just love praying that every time I pray for people, I say, Father, I thank you that you hear my prayer. He hears every one of our prayers, every one of our prayers, he hears. And he hears all of our prayers and all of our requests, all of our desires. Every time we pray, he hears everyone. <clears throat> Text number five, who's got that one? Thank you, Fiona.
yeah, awesome. He receives us. And text number six. Who's got that one? Thank you, Tony. He's adopted us as sons and daughters into his family. And the last one, text number seven. Um, you know, just some great, you know, there's a stack of scriptures about adoption, you know, that God brings us into his family. And when we're part of his family, we're part of this. That's what you're doing here. Because, you know, you're part of the family of God. You've put your hand up and said, yep, I want to be part of this family. And, you know, I just love it. I love that you come from all sorts of different countries. You come from all sorts of different backgrounds and things like that. That's what makes us all one big family, you know. I like this one here. This one's from 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body also in is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and to have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which, think, which we think to be less honourable, on these we bestow greater honour. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honour to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honoured, then all the members rejoice in it. 
Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You know, there's these great things about being a part of a family, whether we're part of one like that, whether we're part of one like this, where we are more powerful together and more amazing together because what God has drawn us together with than we are by ourselves. That's a very quick talk, Peter Sharp. So um, let's, um, so, yeah, so um, very, very quick talk. Um, Two part two. two. I've just said 28 pages, crikey, you know. Um, So listen, just a couple of things is that, you know, I just love it so much that we're able to minister each other out, you know, within the body, that when we receive ministry from people, that, um, that God is able to do some amazing things from the people that it, we actually hang around with. And, you know, and we're part of a super family. And, and super things happen with super families. Because family is what we do. This is our greatest adventure. And we get to do it together. Yeah, so be blessed. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing. And Pete's going to lead us in some ministry.